The Business on RT Radio 1 with AIB. We know that your focus is on your business. That's why ours is on supporting you. Now, take a listen to this. You can do the mail. Keep you rattling around. I can't. I tried, but I, I thought that I could change things. But I'm not as... There's things you're able to do that I can't. Maybe. Maybe. You've won. A clip from the Emmy-winning HBO series Succession there. Anyone familiar with this show has seen how messy it can get, uh, in theory at least when passing down family firms. So what's the best way to avoid inter-sibling strife and what does effective succession planning look like? To discuss, I'm joined by Eric Clinton of DCU's National Centre for Family Business and Vincent Carton, former CEO of Manor Farm. You're both very welcome to the programme. And obviously succession is kind of the worst Worst possible scenarios as to what might happen in relation to succession in a family business. But Eric, first to you, um, what are the sort of dynamics that go on in a family business between the family life and the work life? And when they collide, what can be the big challenges for the individuals and the business? If we look at the, the name family business, um, typically the family is about unity, equality, trust, respect. The business then is often about change. It can be quite aggressive, um, dynamism, survival. And when they come together, you see a conflict. We've seen it in, you know, right across national media, international media, conflict, rivalry, jealousy, bitterness, the role of in-laws, different risk profiles. And it's fed out. You know, we've heard rags to riches and back to rags in three generations. But let's just take that. Um, and first, there's probably an interesting 64% of all of our firms in this country are family firms. But the challenge they face is survival. So if we look from father to son, father to daughter, whatever the dynamic might be in the family business, if they're passing from first to second generation, only one third of those firms will survive. Two thirds are failing. If we go from second to third generation, only 12% of those firms are surviving. So it's extraordinary, Vincent, isn't it, that those sort of figures as yep. to how it affects things. In, in your own case and your own uh, Manor Farm family mm. business, you're, it was it, it, one of the oldest companies yeah. in Ireland and you were, what, eighth, eighth generation? Eighth generation, yeah. So business started 1775 in the fruit markets area of Dublin. So yeah, and the rags to rags to three generation is actually about passion for business. So when I talk to people, I'm a part of a thing called the FBN, the Family Business Network here in Ireland. When I talk to old heads like me, we all got the passion before the age of 10. We can all remember that time when we went to the factory or the office or the warehouse or the whatever the shop. Um, and we then went off to university. But it is all about passion. And so often that third generation the first generation sets it up. Second generation is actually part of it from a very early age. He drives it on, usually tenfold what the first does. But the third generation are, devo are usually separated from it. And so they don't have the passion. And actually, that's what happened in our case. I had five girls. My brother, Justin, had uh, three girls. And you know what? They weren't involved in the business. It was up in Shercock County Cavan. So they didn't get that passion. So when it came time for us, to ask them what do they want? Well, do you know what? Chicken was not a passion for them. They were passionate about business. Don't get me wrong. 
And, but, and one one of the things then, Eric, I mean, Vincent's talking about it there, is to talk about the issues of succession. And it's probably very difficult at times in family situations to, to talk openly about it. But there are things that family businesses can do. They can have the conversation about it. There, there is a, a constitution where they can draw up an agreement. They can also get mentors. Yeah, so for any family business that's listening, whether you're a relatively small family business or a large family business, you got to think of it in threes. Um, it's like a bar stool or a stool. You take the one of the legs out, it falls. And that's largely why the issues in family firms, they fail. For a family business, think of governance in three. Think of your family, think of the ownership, and think of the business. Let's take the family first. There's inevitability in a family business. There will be new members who come into the business who want opportunities. There will be divorce, there will be debt. There will, you know, it's inevitable it's going to happen. Family businesses need to start exploring. For example, do you have a family employment policy? Everybody can't get an opportunity in the business. It's not the right thing for the business. Do you have a family constitution? Family constitution, it's not a legally binding document, but it's the principles by which we want to run our family. Do we have a family council? Do we have an opportunity where we can come together to have those difficult conversations? In this, the middle one, the ownership group, I would encourage every family business to explore, do we have a shareholders agreement? Things like liquidity policies. How often do we see in a family business that I'm in the business, but it's not what I want to do. I want to get out. You have to have a vehicle to get out in the family business. Vincent, what about a situation where uh, a previous generation who's in charge wants to the business to, to be passed on? Ideally, family businesses should be meritocracies. But, you know, we're talking about families and often it's not a meritocracy. Yeah, well, the first part of what you just said is often the older generation doesn't want to talk about it. In my own case, myself and my brother back in 1988, we, we through a series of things, we had bought all the shareholders out. So we were the owners. Yet I only became CEO in 1998. And the question was, why? Well, the answer was because my father didn't want to talk about it. We love the man. We weren't going to push. It was our CEO, our chief emotional officer, my mum, that got us around the table and said, look, lads, we need to talk about this. And what came out was pure gold. And in telling this story, I've helped about six other family, Irish family business have their story. And, and what it was, was he assumed that when the lads, myself and my brother, took over, he would have to leave. And asking him to leave this was like asking him to cut off his right arm. Of course, we didn't want that. We actually set up a board of directors with directors to support him more than us. Um, he kept his projects within the business and I got to move on. So in just in that... Very tough conversation. Very oh. tough. So the first point of what you just said was they want to have a conversation. Getting the first, the older generation to have the conversation is difficult. And then we very much believe in constitutions. So constitutions are about how decisions can be made, not... So for instance, the classic is who's going to run? Who's going to run the business? Uh, how much control of shares? Do they get more control than the others? How do you be fair with uh, assets? All of those are dealt with in a decision-making process, not the decision made, if you get my logic. Yeah. And uh, once you do that... Both of you are involved in this whole area. Uh, Eric, just first to you. Uh, are Irish family businesses getting better at having these conversations and putting these things in place and maybe being a little bit more open among themselves about these issues? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think there's a learning, especially the next generation. The next generation are not accepting that two thirds of our business are going to fail. They want to know more about governance structures. They want to know more about scale internationalization. And the big thing, though, we talk about family and most of this conversation so far is about family. 
But if you're a non-family person and you want to join a family business, you're kind of, well, why would I want to join that family business? I'm never going to get the senior position. I'm never going to be head of marketing, head of finance, because my name is not Murphy Smith or Jones. So the family need to formalize themselves to attract non-family talent in the family business. And that's fundamentally important. Vincent, from companies you talk to, yeah, is it changing? Is it Oh, hugely. So if I was to say to you in the last three to four years, even with COVID, I would be aware of six substantial Irish family businesses that have succeeded really well. Everybody's on board. They understand there's a decision-making process of how to select. There's a, they've had the tough conversation of wealth and how it gets worse. And they've also had the tough decision of when it's going to happen. And you'll never hear about it. It just happened. It, family companies keep their heads down and they get on with it. What you'll hear about is the problems. But to my way of thinking, it's improving hugely because it's a communication exercise, all of this is. And that's what's starting to happen now. Well, on that positive note, we'll leave it there. Dr. Eric Clinton from the National Centre for Family Business in DCU and Vincent Carton, thank you both for joining us on the programme.